0: The, the sermon I'm going to preach to you tonight, actually, I, I, I was with doctors Kevin and Leslie McNulty last night, and uh, we went up there with doctors Kevin and Leslie, and I don't know whether y'all, uh, I've told you a little bit about what they're doing. They have a tent factory in Moscow, and years ago, Kevin's dream was to put a mother, a big, huge tent in Russia, and preach the gospel from it. And Teal Osborne looked at him and said, that's not God, And Kevin said, what do you mean it's not God? He said, no. How many um, districts are there in Russia? How many areas? He said, well, a little over 100. He said, well, then you need 100 tents. And he said, I don't have the money for 100 tents. He said, do you have the money for one? He says, no. He says, well, I mean, if you're going to do something that you can't do anyway, why don't you just do something bigger that you can't do? Right? And we're going to talk about that in a minute. So right now, as of now, they they have a tent factory in Russia and they've built 60 tents. They have um, 99 tents in the former Soviet Union and the 100th tent that they're making, they're bringing it to America. And the Lord has dealt with them to put one tent in every state of the United States and to train young people to take it to towns and preach. Now that means the music will not be for us older people. It'll be a lot more youthy music. But he's but they're going starting November they're going to train the young people to do miracles. And in Russia they have trained the Russians to go into a town and there's miracles when they preach. Deaf people, the ears open, blind people see, people get out of wheelchairs. And and whenever you know after you have uh, a bunch of people healed. You don't have to do any more advertisement. The tent fills up. And people come for, from two to three days away to be in that tent and to hear the gospel. Kevin was telling me the story how he went uh, in Belarus 20 years ago, stood on a rock in the middle of the city, and the Lord told him to go down to the train station. There's two young men get off the train, and he was going to meet them, and um, so he did, they got off the train of this word of knowledge. So, um, and he says, he said, one of them said, I'm a, I'm a pastor, I've come and I'm supposed to meet someone here who says, it's me. This is Holy Ghost stuff. So he went to the middle of the city, stood up on a rock and started preaching for one week to people walking by. There is a church there now that runs, I think, two to 3,000 people and they have started 60 churches, all from that one rock, one act of obedience, one, one word of knowledge, one obedience, people were starting to get healed, and so they called Kevin up and Leslie and brought him in, walked into a church, and said, all this began on this rock, one, one rock. So because of the miracles, they're coming, and they're bringing it back to America, so last night, the night before last, the Lord woke me up at 5 in the morning and He asked me a question, are miracles for today? Even though I am preaching on miracles tonight, it kind of blended in real good. But the question is, are they? We don't see a lot of miracles in America, we think. But I'm going to talk to you about what they are and what they aren't. And I'm going to show you that they're actually a whole lot easier than you thought they were. So get with me. let now. Now, Betty, I'm going to go all the way to the bottom of the page, and we're going to start with 1 Corinthians 12.10 first. So I apologize if you were you thought we were going to Matthew, but go to 1 Corinthians 12.10, pop it on the screen, um, and let's read this first. It says, um, well, I'm, I'm going to read um, verse 8. It says, To one is given the word of wisdom by the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge, to another by the same Spirit, another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles. Now, before we get into this, let's pray, Father. As we, as I open up the Word of God tonight, I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware that I could teach from head to head, but I want to teach heart to heart. I want the people that are sitting in this room right now to grab a revelation of something that we've got to start seeing in order to be a doer of the Word of God. And I'm asking you for revelation knowledge in this place tonight, in Jesus' name. So we can see that one of the gifts of the Spirit is the working of miracles. And all of us have at one time probably gotten flyers in the mail from overseas where we see that in Africa and India and places abroad there's always a lot of miracles. Now we've talked about the reason for that prior to tonight that really is the office of an evangelist. But, but I'm going to talk tonight about miracles in America. So anytime you have an evangelistic office, you're going to have a lot more miracles and healings as gifts of the spirit, but that doesn't eliminate you and I from having miracles, does it? Because he said to one is given to one is given, and he's talking to the church. And so there, there's, there should be Miracles, even in our church here, and there have been and there are, but maybe you don't necessarily recognize they're happening. So, now go to Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. I think it's 26, and I may want to jump back up. Let me read 23 and we'll dive down to 26. Jesus said to disciples, I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the reason for that is they trust in their money. And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom. And when his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished and said, then who can be saved? Now, I want you to look at this because what you, I'm about to say to you is, is extremely important. He is, he's, he's talking about the new birth, isn't he? All right, now I want you to think about this. Up until Jesus rising from the dead, no one was born again. We we have never in the church as a whole, we do in this church, but in the church as a whole, we've never differentiated between the forgiveness of sins and redemption. They're not the same thing. You could be forgiven under the old covenant, but that didn't mean you were born again. Abraham was forgiven, David was forgiven. These people had their sins forgiven or covered every year by the blood of a lamb, but they never had the sins remitted, and they never had the sin nature of a man removed. And that did not happen until Jesus rose from the dead. And we know that's called the new birth or the new creation. So I want you to look at what Jesus is saying because this is pri- this is prior to the cross, and and the young, um. And the disciples heard it and they were greatly astonished and they said, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with men, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Now he's talking about the fact It is impossible for you to do anything about your lost condition without the blood of Jesus. You couldn't, there is, if it wasn't for Jesus dying, there's nothing you could do. You are without God and with no hope in the world. You couldn't be good enough, go to church enough, tithe enough to change your nature. Impossible possible to do it. But he said with God all things are possible. So he's calling the new birth a miracle. Isn't he? So when we talk about having miracles, or have we ever seen a miracle? Every one of you have seen miracles. Not only that, but you are a miracle. Can you now think for a minute? Have y'all How many of y'all have actually led another person in a prayer of salvation and seen him say, raise your hand, you've all been part of a miracle. Now, let me ask you another question. Was it hard? No. So what I'm trying to do is get you out of the idea that, you know, there is gifts of the spirit, like tongues, that's like easy. Then there's interpretation, that's like a little harder. And then there's prophecy, and then the, there's healings and then miracles. That's like Reinhardt bonky. And we will never, ever acquire that place in God. But you already have. You see, I'm trying to get you out of the idea that somehow or another this is like, whoo! And actually, it's quite easy, isn't it? All right. Showing you that. Let's go to another scripture now. Go to go to Mark nine. I was going to. You may have put Matthew seventeen twenty up there, but Mark nine is better. That's why, Betty, I put it on the left side of the page over there. Mark nine. Uh, I'm going to start with verse fourteen. And he came to his disciples. They saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. And immediately they saw him. All the people greatly amazed ran to him and greeted him. And they said to the scribes, what are you discussing? And he says, one of the crowds says, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. That means um, he can't speak. And whenever it seizes him, so we know it's a demon, it throws him down, foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Let me ask you a question. Have they ever cast devils out before? Yeah. Yes, they had. Well, it was not a lack of knowledge on their part. So let's continue to read. I spoke to your disciples, they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered and said, "O faithless generation." How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Does he sound upset? He is upset. Now, I'm going to make a point here, and I want you to understand something. Jesus expected them to do it, didn't he? And they were unable. Whose fault is it? It's theirs, isn't it? It's not the Father's. It's not God. I'm going to make a statement right here, and if you're new, you may take off running out of the building or you may come back. I don't know which one you're going to do. The greatest heresy in the world today is false sovereignty. Mm-hmm. It's, it's in 90% of the churches that you'll walk into, and I'm not, we're better there, that's none of that. It's a bald-faced, unadulterated lie from hell. You're sitting around waiting on God, and when something doesn't happen, it's because he decided no. You can't even find that lie in the Bible. And it's a major doctrine. And you'll hear people, the sovereign. I'm going to tell you another one here in just a hair Bear Creek. The word sovereign is not even in your Bible unless... And the NIV was designed by a denomination who got tired of the fact that their pet doctrine's not even in the Bible. And they took the word Almighty God and said, Oh, sovereign Lord. He is sovereign. But they've redefined the word sovereign, then meaning he is running everything. If he is, he's responsible for this kid not getting set free. And Jesus had no right to chew the disciples out. If he was here today, he'd be chewing some more people out. Yeah. If a matter of fact, he is right now. <laughs> and this is why when you walk out of our church, you hear it. Y'all go to that name at Claim It Church? Say, we do. Yeah. And what they're trying to say to you is that because God is a sovereign God? You have no right to walk around saying what happens and what's not. You you do have a right. You have authority over all the work of the enemy, and you are responsible for what the devil's doing in your life, not God. Now that right there, I just hair lipped ninety percent of the churches in this nation. I just I just and I if if I was in there, they'd kick me out right now. They'd escort me to the door and. Run me off. How easy it is to blame everything on, you just never know what God will do. But if we're going to see here, Jesus got pretty upset. How, in the, how, how long do I have to hang? I've been with you guys how long? How, how many demons? How much have we talked about this? Mike, bring the kid here to me. Not one time did he say, well, you'd never know what God would do. He never heard Jesus say it at all. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went around doing good, healing his good, and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. Not one time have you ever found anywhere in the Bible where he left someone sick, unless it was in his own hometown, and he said their unbelief. So when you tell a Christian today it is their unbelief, they will get very, very angry at you. I have all kinds of faith. No, you don't. Because if you're not going to a church that teaches truth, you cannot get truth when it's not being preached. So if they're not preaching on healing, you don't you have no faith. It's not that you don't have a good heart. Nobody said you didn't love the Lord. Nobody said that. But I did say you are dumb as a rock. No, I shouldn't say it that way. I did say that you're ignorant. <laughs> okay, that's it. I didn't say stupid. I didn't say stupid. No, honestly, Honestly, folks, this is, this is absolutely devastated Christians everywhere. And, and, and I, th- I think Andrew, even made a statement one time, he prayed for someone, they died, and he looked at the woman, he says, I don't know, I don't know why we failed, but I'll tell you this, it's either your fault, told, he looked at the mama, or it's mine, but it isn't God. And, and that's hard for a preacher to go, it's your fault. We're changing churches. Well, you won't be the first person. <laughs> Are y'all okay? Now, you can, you can see it right here. Jesus got all over his disciples for not getting this guy free. We should be a lot more interested in getting people free. And when we pray and something doesn't happen, let's go back and pray. God what did I do wrong? It's not that our heart is wrong, but there's something we're missing that we need to start learning. What, what is it I need to learn to help this person out? Yes. And that's the way we should pray. We have the Holy Ghost. He will help us, but you got to quit blaming God. you got to go back and say, Sir, apparently I missed something someplace because I've been unable to help this person. And sometimes it's the other person and he won't tell you and say, well, that's none of your concern. Don't worry about it because yeah. it, it may be none of our business. Thank you for your enthusiasm. All right. He said, O oh, faithless generation, how long am I going to be with you? How long do I bear with you Bring him here? And he brought him to him. And then he saw him. Immediately the spirit convulsed, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foam at the mouth. And he said, How long has this been happening? And the, he said, From childhood. And, and often he has thrown him both in the fire and the water to destroy him. But, but look, at, look at this. If you can do anything have compassion on us. Who is the father throwing the responsibility for his son on? Yes, he is. All right. Now, now listen to me. That's why we're not seeing miracles. Oh, this is going to be a good night. (laughs) This is really good because I'm going to show you how to have miracles all the time if you want them. And Jesus said to him, the dad, If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. How many things are possible if you believe? That is a screaming, heavy statement. I mean, with you, because of you, it is possible for you to get anything you want this side of heaven. There isn't a disease you can't believe God for. There isn't, a, there isn't a situation. There's not a problem with your kids. There's not a problem with your husband. There's not a problem in your family. That's your faith in God cannot turn that around. Oh, baby, it most certainly can. You and I should be walking in the realm of the miraculous all the time. He has offered us the opportunity to do things that are slap impossible. As a matter of fact, you are a miracle. Your new birth is a miracle. Speaking in tongues is impossible. How was the last time you thought about every time you open your mouth and pray in the Holy Ghost, you're doing something impossible? You're walking around doing the impossible like it's normal. Why are we not walking in that a whole lot more? I said, Lord, one day I said, I just need a miracle. You know, I was a baby Christian one time too. He said, we'll pray in the Holy Ghost. Right. He said, son, that's impossible. For you to pray in a language you have never learned. I went, Shandai. <laughs> Do you understand? Do you understand how much we're really walking in this and how much we're connected to the impossible? So Jesus had a lot to say about the impossible. There's nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible. Now it's up to you to believe it or to get your faith where it needs to be. Now, I'm going to do a station identification. Let me sell a book for Andrew Womack. There's a book out there called, uh, it's about imagination. What is that? Um, it's got the little sticker. Okay, we'll think of it in a minute. Your imagination, and, 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 and I don't want y'all to think, what is it, Betty? Don't limit God. Don't limit God. Every time God wants to do something, he is going to give you a vision of it. And I'm not talking about at night where you, oh, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm talking about giving you a vision in your heart of something that you're going to be doing. Last night we were at the meeting, a cope was there. And a cope was a pastor in Russia of 38 people. He said when he, at night when he would pray, he would see himself standing in a tent preaching to thousands of people. He had no idea at the time that he would one day work with Kevin and Leslie McNulty and do the very thing that he was seeing. But God is going to get you pregnant with vision. Let me say that one more time. God has to get you pregnant with a vision before you can birth it you got to get it in you to where you're seeing what he's saying to you. And once you're seeing it, Abraham never had a son, when he, though he was 100, until he could see him. You've got to see what God is saying. Now, i got a little two-by-two two thing on the wall out there. It says, if you can't see what you can't see, you'll never see it. And that was written by what I'm talking about now. You've got to, see, if you see yourself dead, you're, you're dead. And the doctor said you're dead and your mother said you're dead and the, and the internet said you're dead, well, then you're dead. But if you'll open up, Isaiah says, by his stripes you were healed. And he says, with long life will he satisfy you and show you your salvation. That is, the, the, the word is, is faith is the substance of what you hope 4. Hope is a confident expectation something good is going to happen. It's a mental image of a better future than you have now and you've got to get that and get the word on that and get pregnant with it to deliver that. That's how you have miracles. I saw myself climbing a mountain in, in Alaska when I couldn't walk to the mailbox. The doctor said that I needed a pacemaker. I told him I need running shoes. I refuse to see myself crippled, see myself old, see myself in any other way than the word of God. And, and I know I've even been prophesied over that people seen me in a wheelchair. And I just looked at him real sweet and told him in the name of Jesus, I bind you foul devil from hell. And I just cast the devil out of that precious little Christian and sent that little devil back to the hell it came from. And you prophesy lie over me, you little numb nut you. Oh, listen, you, listen! if y'all got relatives, you've already had people tell you all kinds of stuff. Now, look at what Jesus said. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. I'm gonna say something right now, this is is one of my favorite subjects, I can't go down this road. In the book of Genesis, God said to the people building the Tower of Babel, says nothing they imagine is impossible to them. Folks, when I was a boy, we had a detective named Dick Tracy and he had a watch and we thought that was cool. Now everybody and their dogs got a cell phone in their hand and they're walking around GPS and texting and everything that we have ever done in America, somebody dreamed it. And we're talking heathen. The human being made in the image of God is as powerful as he is. If you'll get your imagination lined up with God, but we've chosen to just just veg our little out. And we have no, you know, when you're a kid, you go, I'm going to be a fireman. I'm going to be a policeman. I'm going to be the president of the United States. And when you get older, you're going, I just hope I make it home today and get some (laughs) dinner in the stove and without dying, my arthritis is killing me. And that's why Jesus said, you need to be like a kid. Don't stop dreaming because you get old. I had an old lady one time chasing me around an apartment. I was a maintenance man and and it was funny. She's so I mean this lady's so old she looked like she's gonna break. She was batting her eyeballs at me and sweet talking me and smooch. She's 85 years of age. And this is back when I was about 30, and I looked at her and I said, Sweetheart, stop. You're gonna break something. But you got to admire her spunk. You know, you really got to give her, got to give her an A-plus for some spunk. The 85-year-old woman hitting on a 30-year-old man, that's, at least I got to give you an A-plus for that, baby, because, because your brain ain't old. You, you still think you something. So anyway, you know, I got stories I ain't never told y'all. I probably never will. (laughs) But being a maintenance man, you could tell some stories. I got one I'm going to tell y'all. Maybe I shouldn't. This has nothing to do with this sermon. (laughs) Have y'all ever met people whose elevator just does not go up? Yes. I got a phone call at 4 o'clock in the morning that a woman in apartments, heat had gone out. And I said, well, I, I'll be in. Oh, it was 5 o'clock in the morning. It was 5 o'clock. It was snowing outside. Was, I remember it was 5 o'clock in the morning. Well, I'm fixing to get up at 6 and go into work, and I'll be there at 7. And I said to her, I said, well, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm getting up now. I'm getting dressed. I live on the other side of Tulsa. so I won't be there in the next few minutes. It's, it's, it's ice and sleet and snow outside. I'm definitely not going to fly down the highway at 80 miles an hour. And I'll be there in 45 minutes. She said, okay. She did. She turned on her oven and opened the front door. (laughs) I walked in her apartment. She had honest-to-God icicles hanging off her tears on her face. And she sat there freezing her booty off, embarrassed that she was so stupid. And I said, honey, honey, uh, I said, turn on the oven it was a gas stove and opened the door. I thought you meant the front door. I said. <laughs> she said, I thought you were going to run in. I said, well, no. I... <laughs> I got more stories, but we don't have much time tonight. I got, I have met some really super duper people. It, it embarrassed her so. She sat there with a blanket around her, and her face was—literally, the tears were frozen on her face. And I closed the front door, and I said, "Well, I, I, I had to apologize because it was my fault." The, the my resident manager told me it was my fault. <laughs> After I closed the door, went back in my resident, I said, "You know, good and well, that's stupid." <laughs> anyway, never mind. That has nothing to do with the sermon. There's no extra charge for that. We're talking about him about things that are impossible. And I think dealing with her was flat impossible. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's come back over here. It says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Immediately the father of the cr- child cried and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. See, he believed with his heart, but not his head. And he's fighting with the two. You can have faith in your heart, even though your head's fighting you. And Jesus saw the people to come running. He rebuked the unclean spirit and says, the deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. And the spirit cried and convulsed him greatly and came out of him and he became one as dead. He fell out in the power, that was not new, took him by the hand, lifted him up, he arose. And when he came to the house, the disciples says, why couldn't we cast him out? And that's another sermon. Okay, go to Hebrews chapter 4 and let me show you this. Now we're going to make a little change here. We're going to talk about how is it that we can do things that are impossible, now, I want to read something to you out of a book, um, and, and I made sure that I have copies of this out there before I read it, because every time I read a book to y'all, y'all want to go buy it. This book is phenomenal, and I have literally, I've read it at least four times now, three, I know three times through, all, all the way through. Anyway, it's, it's, um, it's on prayer in his presence, and, um. He's talking about prayer and miracles. He said, if you deny that miracles are for this age, you deny the need and the privilege and the benefits of prayer. The twofold value of prayer lies first in sitting in His presence or in direct fellowship with your Father. The second benefit is the answer that comes to you. John says, if we ask anything according to your will or the Word of God, we know He hears us. If you know He hears you, you know you have The petition you ask. What do you do after that? You start thanking Him for it. For God the Father to hear your prayer is equivalent to Him answering it. Now, for God to hear me is a miracle. For God to answer my prayer, regardless of His nature, is a miracle. Whether my petition is for a postage stamp or a million dollars, it's a miracle. Any divine intervention, any arrest of the laws of nature that comes in answer to faith is a miracle. Now, when you realize that every time you go to God in prayer and he answers, you've just seen a miracle. Because you had to walk in the throne room and get a God that could do something about the situation that was not possible for you to do it. Okay. Now, I'm going to jump all of this because I'm going to run out of time. This makes prayer, the prayer life, a master thing. You are not asking for the possible. You're always praying for the impossible. You're asking for things that cannot be done by any human method. That's powerful, the new birth. Can you be born again by any human method? No, you had to go to God and get it and he answered. Could you be filled with the Holy Ghost without answered prayer. No. So every time that we walk in the throne room of God, and this is where I want you to start thinking of the miraculous. When I'm going to spend about a month and maybe two on the blood of Jesus. But you and I have been given access because of the blood into the Holy of Holies. No one up until Jesus rising from the dead has ever been allowed in there. If the high priest went in and he did something wrong, he, they, they, they hooked a, cor- a rope to his leg to drag him out in case he died because you can't go in there and get him if he dies. So the Holy of Holies, I mean, uh, the high priest could only go in one time a year. Jesus went in and opened the door for you and I. We can go in there anytime we want. Listen, to ask a God who can do anything to ask him to do what we can't do. Amen. That is the most powerful privilege you have ever been given in your entire life to go talk to God about something that's impossible and get him to do it. And he said, I will. Yes. Yes. Amen. We're the only people who can look at a problem and go, we are going to go talk to God and we will be back with an answer. That is incredible. We've never majored on this. But the new creation, the new species of being, the new blood-washed saints of Almighty God are the most powerful people on the earth, and miracles are normal for us. That's incredible. Makes you want to go pray. Yes. All right, I'm going to show it to you because you got to meditate on these scriptures and you're not in there begging him. Oh God. Don't do that. Don't, don't insult him. Hebrews 4.14, seeing then that we have a great high priest, that would be Jesus, who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, Let us hold fast our confession. The word confession means to say the same thing. That means say the same thing that God said about it. For you do not have a high priest that cannot sympathize with your weaknesses. But in all points he was tempted just like you and I, yet without sin. To the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Anything. Anything. We have never majored on this we have been like the man, oh God help me. And Jesus turned to you tonight and said, if you can believe it, anything is possible. If I could just get you to believe what I said. Quit whining at me. All right, I'm going to prove this to y'all. We've got, how are we doing for time? Oh, we're going wonderful. All right, I'm going to prove something to you. Go to Hebrews 10:19, and then I'm going to take off and I got something to prove. Are y'all ready? Because I'm going to rock your world. Well, y'all sound excited. Therefore, brethren, have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. In the only, listen, the devil will challenge you. Every time you get up to go pray, he will challenge you. And your answer is always the blood, the blood of Jesus. God answers every prayer because of Jesus. Not because you're good, not because you're bad, and not because you're, you're pretty or you're ugly. It's because of Jesus. Everything, when you walk in the throne room, if he says, why are you in here? You said, sir, I have come in here in the name of Jesus. And he will say, welcome, come on, what is it you need? Because Jesus pleased him, and that's who gave you the right to come in, and you're in there in his name. Now, let me share with you another little scripture that's really messed up the church. Jesus says, wherever you are, everywhere there's two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm in the midst of you. Let me tell you all something, darling. When you're in a little group of y'all at your home, having coffee and tea and donuts, Jesus is not sitting at the table with you. Well, he said he would be here. No, he isn't. He said, where you're gathered in my name, his name is exactly the same as him sitting there. You, come on. Because he gave you the power of attorney to use the name, it says, though he would, when you're there with a name, he is there in his name. So he said, Go into all the world and these signs follow those who believe in my name. The, the, the punctuation in your Bible is, is wrong. There is no punctuation in the Greek. Right. The, the, the Greek language is all small letters and no, no spaces between and no punctuation at all. It looks like a first grader going crazy. And so the, the, the writer had to figure out where the punctuation is. So, so you, so when he says these signs follow those that believe period in my name, they cast out devils. Just take the word in my name and read it this way. These signs follow those that believe in my name. They will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They, and it's they, 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 It's bullet points. So when you believe in the name, it's, uh, you, you've been given the power of attorney to use that name. Yes. Okay. That was the second time I got kicked out of a church. <laughs> right. It's not my fault I read the Bible. Okay. Yes, it is. Exodus chapter 14. Go over there and I want to show, <laughs> y'all hold your hats down because this is fixing to get good. Somebody act like you're excited about this because I'm fixing, we're we're fixing to go. And and it's going to take you a little while to, to stop acting like the father talking to Jesus. Help me. Okay. Okay, never mind. I didn't think you'd like that much. Exodus 14, 9. So the Egyptians pursued them. All the horses and chariots... Of Pharaoh and his horsemen in the army and overtook the camping by the sea of someplace, near someplace. And Pharaoh drew near the children of Israel, lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were coming and they were afraid and they said, oh, help us, help us. And they cried to the Lord, right? They're praying. They're crying. They're not going to get their prayer answered. Not yet. Then they said to Moses, because there was no graves in Egypt, the reason you brought us out here to die in the wilderness. Why have you so dealt with us and brought us out of Egypt? Wouldn't it have been better if we had stayed there? At least we had jobs as slaves. Okay. Is it not the word that we told you in Egypt, verse 12, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, it would have been better, but a bunch, bunch of crybabies. Verse 13, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Now, who's going to split the Red Sea? If you, how many of you say Moses. How many of you say God? Both of you are right. All right, let me ask you a question. You told me earlier you led someone to the Lord. Did you lead him to the Lord, or did God? who saved him? Well, how come He didn't save him until you came along? I'm not going, I'm not leaving this spot until I get y'all to think. How come God did not save that person till you came? Because He can't. So in essence, you did it. Now you know that Jesus. You didn't. You are not the one that made the Holy Ghost. But but you're the one that prayed. And you didn't say, oh, God, save them, oh, God, save them, oh, save them, they're going to hell, God. You didn't say that. You actually named it, claimed it, and blabbed it, grabbed it. You looked at them and said, do you believe Jesus died on the cross? And they went, "Uh, yeah, yeah, learned that in Sunday school. And you said, well, look right here in Romans 10. If you believe he died on the cross, rose from the dead, I want you to pray with me and say, Heavenly Father, I do believe Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, and I receive him. And you say, well, praise God, you're born again. And you, you did that. say wow. Wow. Say it backwards. (laughs) I'm fixing to show y'all something really cool. And Moses said to the people, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which I will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, well, you'll never see them anymore and the Lord will fight for you. And if you hold your peace and the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying at me? Tell the children of Israel to do what? and lift up your rod, stretch it out over the sea, and you divide it. Who divided it? You. Moses divided it. Shandai Moses did it. I'm going to throw a scripture at y'all, and it's going to wreck your head. You ever read a scripture where... I'd oh, be blasphemy. Well, God can't do it without you. Who has authority over all the work of the enemy? Well, he does. And then he said, you go in my name. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? See, it's, it's really a team effort. But the, but the impossible, the miracles are happening at your command. Wow. That's incredible, guys. That means we need to be doing a lot more speaking and a lot more. My kids are blessed coming in. They're blessed going out. I have the mind of Christ. I've got the wisdom of God. This body of mine, in Jesus' name, I forbid you to get old. With long life, he'll satisfy me and show me his salvation. If I say to the mountain, let me give you all another one, just blow your head off. Whatever you desire. Who? He didn't say anything about God. Well, you never know what the Lord will want. Well, maybe maybe he said it's what I want. Mm-hmm. You know, God just really didn't care whether I drive a Chevy or a Toyota. But I'm telling you, I said Toyota come. And if Chevy better not show up. <laughs> this is good, isn't it? Yes. This right here is, is one of the most powerful things. You... So miracles, you and I are really... The ones that are in control. But yet we are working with God. I mean, you're not alone running around doing all this stuff. Oh, look what I did. Well, no, not without him you didn't. So it says in, in Mark 16 that they went everywhere, the Lord working with them. And that's what that meant. But that's, see, why we aren't having more miracles is the church is not running around doing what he said do. Or because he'd be backing up. If you're doing it, he'll back you up. Okay, all right. Let's look at another one, Matthew 14. You ready? I'm going to show it to you in different places so you walk out and go, uh, he, didn't, he didn't just pull all that out. He, he found all kinds of scriptures. Matthew 14:13. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place, but when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot. And Jesus went to and saw a great multitude. He was moved with compassion for them, and He healed their sick. And when evening was come, His disciples came to Him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is late. Send the multitudes away that they may go to a village and buy food. And look at 16, and I want you to mark in your Bible. And Jesus said to the disciples, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now, if you, if, if you didn't see it in your Bible, you'd think I was crazy. Who did he lay the responsibility to feed him on? The disciples. He's laying it on his disciples to pull a miracle off. I'm going to stop right here because y'all are looking at me like going, oh, I've never seen that in my home. I've heard all my life. Billy Bob, Jesus fed multitude, and you just say it. He didn't fade them, the disciples did it. I did, I said that, because I read it. Y'all read it with me. You give them something to eat. All right, now let's read it real carefully now. Don't just kind of blow over the top of this. And he said to them, We have only five loaves and two fish. And he said, You bring them here to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven. He blessed it and broke it, and gave it to who? And the disciples did what? They fed the multitude. So who fed them? The disciples fed them. Everybody say this is really good. Really good. There's miracles in you and I. And Jesus is spending time with his disciples, teaching them how to do this stuff. And the church has never been taught to do this. There was a little boy um, in the Bahamas, and they brought him to me, and, and, and I led him to the Lord. And they had found him on the bottom of the ocean that, that day, and he drowned. And when they got him up, his brain was, you know, fried. And they brought him up. He's little kid about this, because some of y'all heard me tell the story. But I'm gonna tell it again. And if and if you want me to, we'll get Melanie come tell it. Because she told me one time. She says, "I know all your stories," and I've never forgot her making that statement to me. So it's even in heaven. I'm gonna look at her and say, "You." Okay. So this little kid comes up, and and, ha- and he's partially paralyzed, half his body. And he comes up, and I said, um, He said, I, 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 I want to be fucked. It's not his fault. His, his left side of his body is, is, is paralyzed. And so I prayed the sinner's prayer with him. I laid hands on him. And in Jesus' name, I command him to be healed. Now, who's in me? Well, God is waiting on me. I'm going to stop this story right now. I'm going to tell you another story, and we're going to come back. When I was in Tom Copeland's church one time there was a prayer line up there and I stood in front of a lady and I saw her spine was curved. And I said to the Lord, I said, what do you want me to do? And he says, I'm waiting to see what you will say about that. I didn't know enough to know what he meant. It's quiet in here. He's waiting on me to speak to that spine. And I didn't. I, I didn't understand what he meant. I said, "What? Well, he's talking to me, and I'm going. I'm, I, I'm, I'm seeing. A, in, I'm having a word of knowledge, and I can see in. The, I can see her spine. It's, it's bent. And, and I just prayed some prayer and went on. It scared me. And later I went back and I went. I, 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 I. I remember that day you said that. I had no idea that you were waiting on me. I thought I was waiting on you. And she didn't get healed. Isn't this awesome? There's a lot of stuff happening, and and I'm not saying this to bring any kind of condemnation on us, but we're allowing it. We're allowing stuff to go on that God is waiting. What do you have to say about that? Adam, what do you name these animals? He's waiting on us. Don't cry at me. Tell the tell the ocean to get out of your way. He said, if you say to the mountain. He didn't say anything. He said, listen, you say to the cancer. You say to the devil. You say to the flu. You, you say something to it. Yes. But now you've got to meditate on this in order to believe this. I'm, what I'm preaching to you is giving you faith. Because faith is rising in your heart right now. Because I'm giving you a knowledge you never, like, Oh, my God, I see this. I'm like that guy going, oh, God, heal me. Oh, God, oh, God. And Jesus is looking at us and saying, no, oh, God, me, all things are possible to him that believes. Nothing's impossible to you. And we're like, what? They fed the multitude. You ready for another one? Acts 9, we'll close with this. This is the Apostle Paul. Jesus met him on the road. There was a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And Jesus, and he said to him, Lord, in a vision, Ananias, he said, here I am. He says, I rise and go to the street called Straight and inquire the house of Judas for one called... Saul of Tarsus, he's praying. And in a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias coming in putting his hand on him so he might receive his sight. So my question is, I thought he was praying. Why in the world is God wasting this man's time? He's sending someone, he's sending a man to him. All right, are y'all ready? Because I'm going to... The reason the name Jesus is powerful is the name of a man. Jesus never did anything as God. But because man has authority, Jesus had authority as long as he walked the earth as a man. When he rose from the dead, he no longer could do anything down here except through the church. So he became the head, and we became the body, and he's crippled by his body because we're not doing anything. We're just sitting around waiting on God. This is this is this is good, guy. This is good. I'm gonna tell you one more story, and then I'm gonna. I think. And he said, Lord, arise, go to the street call straight and inquire the house of Judas, Saul, Tarsus, he's praying a vision, he's seeing a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so he might receive his sight. And Ananias said, Lord, I've heard a lot about this guy. You know, he's kind of a really bad dude. Uh, he's worse than John Wayne and Clint Eastwood and... He says, he's got authority from the chief priest and all who call on him. And the Lord says, you go for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the children of Israel. And I'm going to show him how many things you'll suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, entered the house, laid his hands on it and said, brother Saul, we know he's born again. He who appeared to you on the road, sent me, sent me so you would receive your sight and be filled with the spirit. Come on, y'all. This is awesome. And see, we're sitting around going, God, do this. And he, listen, he's not your errand boy. If he's prompting you to do something, quit asking him to do it. He's the head. You're the servant. You go. Now, he's the one going to make it. You just go lay hands on him. You just obey God and, and leave the results up to God. Okay. Um, so, anyway, we know that happened. Now, let me tell you how I learned all this, and, and I'll actually get done three minutes early. When I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the Lord told me, "Um, you're not going anywhere until you get your boss. All the people I work with are not saved. And I said, well, who cares? What an attitude. I said, God, I'm in here praying about my ministry. I really don't care whether my boss is going to hell or not. That's stupid. I was stupid, stupid, stupid. That's why God gets on to me sometimes, because I do stupid stuff. It's also why I can help you. Cause I'd done the stupid things before too, so he said, "Well, you're praying about ministry, but your boss is not saved." He said, "Don't talk to me about ministry until she gets saved." Well, Jan Henderson was a, was an Italian, and that's the first person I ever told that had a bad temper because they were Italian. I thought it was just sin, but anyway. So I went off every day, and I have to pray her into the kingdom in order to leave Tulsa. He's not letting me leave till she gets saved. So while I'm praying one day, he said, ask me to get her to church. Now, you know, I'm sitting there praying, and, and he asks me to ask him. And I'm like befuddled. Just do it. I mean, you're like God. And I was kind of blew me away, and I said, okay, get her to church. That's all I said. I got up from prayer, I walked in, and Jan Henderson looked at me and said, where do you go to church? I went, if you answered all my prayers that fast, we'd be doing really good. <laughs> and so she went to Grace Fellowship, took her three Sundays to get born again. Then, her, then I led her husband, Scott, to the Lord, and a friend of theirs named Ron. And then, and then after that, the Lord released me to come to Orlando. But, I, I, but that's when I began to learn that he, he, he wants to work with us. But he is as, he needs you, the head, it, you know, it says, it says talking about the body where Paul's talking about the body. The head can't say to the foot, I have no need of you. God has need of you. He's, he's crippled. If, if we're not, if we're not doing something, there's things he's prompting us to do. And we need to be doing those things because you're the miracle worker. Amen. That's an amazing statement. You're the miracle worker. You're the one walking around with God in you. So he needs you to ask him some stuff. Prayer is fun. Yes, is. Heavenly Father, we're praying. For Sunday morning, I'm asking you to bring the lost in in the name of Jesus. I'm asking you to deal with their hearts in the name of Jesus. I take authority over the devil off my relatives right now in Jesus' name. Father God, open a door for me to share Jesus with that in law of mine. Just prayer is so much fun. God is up there going, I mean, ask me big God keeps asking me every once in a while, you you have not even caused a shortage of electricity up here. But every once in a while, I think I put out something, this this one is going to drain heaven, God, when you answer this. And he does it, and I go, that was so cool. But what happens is every time you get a victory, you hold on to it, and you go, let's go a little bigger and that's called your faith's growing. You're going from glory to glory. But, but you, you, do you see how much authority we have? Do you realize now that you literally are a miracle worker? What an amazing statement. Now, I want y'all to say this to yourself. I'm awesome. You are. God thinks you're awesome. No, the devil is the one that discredits you so that you stop. Well, we just need to get Pastor Darrell to pray for us because somebody spiritual needs to. You just step up and go, don't even, don't even call him, I'll do it. Can I tell you one more story? I'm in my office one day and, well, I know it wasn't, I left the office, I was driving down here. And I'm coming down this road over here. What is it? Kelly Park? No. What is it? Welch. And the Lord said to me, now if you're a Catholic, please don't get offended. He said, you're no different than a Catholic. I said, excuse me. You have just offended me out of my mind. How dare you call me a Catholic? I said, that is not right. And I I argued with him because every once in a while, I think I need to say something to him when he starts calling me names. I said, I do not believe that I've got to go to a saint to talk to Mary, to talk to Jesus, to talk to God. I've never preached that. That's that's not true. He said, well, you preach, they got to get to you to get to me. I went, oh. I get in my office. Barbara was my secretary. She said, Pastor, you just had a phone call. A woman called and wants you to pray for her so-and-so. I said, no. I said, I just got chewed out for that. I said, you call her back and tell her to go talk to her own father about that. She don't need to come talk to me to talk to God. I ain't no pope, baby. Talk to God yourself. And Barbara looked at me and went, well, don't get all upset. I said, you have no idea the conversation I just had with God over that. <laughs> Called me a Catholic. <laughs> I'm not saying that if you need help not to get it. If there, I don't want you to get any condemnation. If you ever need help, get up here and get prayed for. But, but grow your faith to the place where you understand God is in you guys. Yeah. You have the same name, you have the same anointing, you have the same righteousness everybody else does. And we've, been, we've, we've, we've remained babies in the body of Christ because we have failed to pick this up and go, well, I'm going to tell you from now on, I'm going to do my own praying around here, hallelujah. And I'll tell you, it's the coolest thing in the world when you start getting your prayers answered and you start working with God, and then He starts saying, I want you to do this and that and the other. It's It's phenomenal. When you start doing things and he says, go do this and say this to that person. And it, sometimes it's just a prompting. It's not a saying, just a little prompting. And you do it and you go, that was cool. Is there another center around here someplace we can talk to? <laughs> <laughs> oh. So a year later, I come back. It was Harbor Island. This, this black kid walks up and he's six foot something. He, he's over my head. And he looks at me and says, do you remember me? Of course, I'm thinking, I don't remember you. I don't know. I've never seen a big black kid it looks like a, an African magi, you know, a big, big guy. And he said, do you remember the boy that drowned? I said, yeah, a little kid. He says, that's me. He said, that night I received Jesus. You laid your hands on me and you prayed for me. And I grabbed a hold of that. And he says, I, it took a while, and I recovered. He said, I'm 100% recovered today. Amen. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Who healed him? Did God heal him, or did I? Thank you. Now, we all know I didn't, I didn't do the performing. We all know that. But God had him all by himself before I got there. Isn't that cool? Father God... We're a lot more important to you than we've ever been told. We're your body. Just like Ananias, there's people sitting in this room right now that that, um, you're wanting to use every one of us. There's people you have used. People are saved because there's people sitting right here in this room that have led other people to the Lord. There's people that are sitting here that have laid their hands on the sick. But there's other things that are going on in our lives right now that we're allowing it to happen. We're praying about it, but nothing's happening. It's time for us to stop praying and start saying. Yeah. You said if we speak to the mountain, and, and that means that the you didn't pray about the mountain, but spoke to it. it. Says, Father God, I'm just trusting you that there's people in this room right now that as they begin to say what you say, and, and, and because we have rights in the throne room, we can pray about it. But when we walk out of there, it's time for us to start speaking. Some things over situations. And it isn't that we're that we're haughty, that we have an attitude that we're better than everybody, because we're not. We understand the blood. We understand grace. But we understand the name and the power. And I'm asking you, sir, as we walk out of this room, that in the days ahead, the months ahead, the years ahead, that there's people that so their lives will be changed. Because somebody sitting in this room or listening by CD is going to grab a hold of this and say, don't worry about that. I'm going, to, I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to go get an answer to something that looks impossible. Because I've got a right in the throne room. And Father, I give you praise and honor for everything done in this place. And we give you the glory for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Darrell Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.